0: everybody. I'm Jen Johnson and you are watching Thought by Thought Healing, where I talk about everything related to chronic pain and chronic symptoms, because current neuroscience really is showing that the nervous system and the brain really have a huge role in controlling um, those symptoms. So when we look at the thoughts and beliefs and emotions that we are experiencing, they will be having a physiological response, which includes pain I'm a chronic pain coach, and I have this channel so that I can get as much hope out there for those of you who are struggling with chronic symptoms. So I have people on this show that have healed. I have professionals, neuroscientists, the whole gamut, um, so that you can hear it from many different perspectives. And today, I had the honor of interviewing Dan Hinsley, who's in Northern England. So it's afternoon for him and bright and early in the morning for me. And on top of that, I woke up this morning and my furnace is broken, and so the house is freezing. Luckily, I was able to call somebody. They'll come out this afternoon. But I hope you enjoy this interview. Um, I I really love just talking about different tools that we can use and how to use those tools. So hopefully it's encouraging and you can put that in your repertoire of ways to help um, in the journey of reversing uh, chronic pain and chronic symptoms. I'm a chronic pain coach. So if you want to check out my website, thoughtbythoughthealing.com or shoot me an email, thoughtbythoughthealing at gmail.com. All right. That's it for now. Enjoy this week. And I will talk to you next Saturday. Bye. All right, let's get going. I have Dan Hinsley here with me. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Uh, Okay. So I found Dan and Matt, who was on, uh, Matt Stevenson, who was on here two weeks ago. Uh, One of my clients sent me one of your articles of so, so several of them were written by you about you and your healing story and then one about Matt and um as soon as I read him I was like I have to have both these guys on so um thanks for being here I appreciate
1: it I saw your interview with mattie which is which is good he's a mm-hmm. childhood friend of mine so it was, it was I, I tell you interviewing him to write the article it's funny you should interview all your friends and family because you you I've known him for years and years and years but you don't get into that level of detail often enough
0: <laughs> yeah yes yeah, Plus
1: so I, I recommend it and um, should write articles up about your friends and family oh.
0: <laughs> so i yeah speaking of of writing i your writing is great we were just talking about it and it's very inspiring so i'm definitely going to put that in the show notes um but how did you let's let's go back a little further then and just start with your story of of, of where it all went wrong when you look back um what are kind of those pivotal moments um
1: yeah let's yeah okay so um it it started for me in my early 20s okay. when i i think i actually started in a football match or soccer soccer match as you would call it and mm-hmm. um, i got a, a pain in my right butt cheek yeah <laughs> and yeah. uh and then it should have gone and it didn't it kept coming back um and then the pain spread to my back and that sent off a whole journey that lasted probably about 15 years where at one point relatively quickly i was with a with a surgeon and um, holding up an mri scan showing degenerative discs and bulging discs and uh, and and quite kindly gave me a new belief that I was, uh, my back was damaged and uh, Mm. (laughs) uh, I spent the the next 15 years trying to work it out. And um, I guess, yeah, I think the the thing that set me off on that journey, as soon as you hear a message like that, you've got degenerative disc disease and you get a belief. For me, I was very positive thinker. It was Mm. like, how do I beat this? And uh, so he was like, "How do I beat this?" And then you, and you go off, but but I, the problem was is that I accepted the diagnosis, and I was trying to beat the symptoms. So that so I had some success, but actually I spent 15 years or so just in and out of episodes of of quite severe chronic pain. You know, sometimes just unable to walk, unable to turn over in bed. Got stuck on the toilet once, couldn't get off. <laughs> just just uh just just agonizing pain sciatica and uh yeah and and that persisted for a long time I I managed lived with it yeah I I lived with it so yeah it it started to answer your question in my early 20s that's when it all started going wrong
0: yeah it I think there is an assumption um I know that the term psychosomatic is not a, a very acceptable term but when the world looks at psychosomatic, um, I think there's an assumption that the pain probably isn't that bad then. And so you talking about um, being stuck on the toilet and and at times not able to walk, um, just I, I just want to bring that up as uh, evidence that mind body pain is ex- it can be absolutely excruciating right i mean is that your experience because it definitely absolutely. Responds-
1: yeah no it's, it's it's real pain it's yeah, it's a- absolutely real physical symptom and real pain um and w- it's just that if you're presented with a diagnosis from someone who even someone in a white coat with all that authority which is part of the problem sense yeah. makes you believe what they say we're taught we're trained to believe what they say without thinking there might be another person in a white coat that has a different opinion <laughs> mm-hmm. but but you, you believe in you take it on board and um yeah it's and i think that that accentuates the pain because you once you've got that belief um yeah you you're you're, you're stuck with the symptoms and now you've got a you've got someone confirming that you've got some pro- some problem
0: <laughs> yeah
1: uh, but yeah the pain is absolutely real just just not caused by what they think
0: yeah yeah so did you say you spent 15 years with like claiming that degenerative disc disease as a as a diagnosis 15 years yeah,
1: yeah. 15 years until until I found Dr Sarno with or and uh, okay. other people that said that is a normal abnormality yeah if I MRI scanned 100 people I can't remember the exact stats but a large percentage of them would have similar. This degeneration it's just a it's just a thing it's not the core it's just it's not the cause of your pain until until I found someone with equal authority that told me that and I actually could start to shift it yeah I spent 15 years which is one of the reasons why I like talking about it and writing about it because if yeah. I can shorten that length of time for somebody else that, that's that's the goal really um yes. yeah someone doesn't have to be in 15 years to, to get the message
0: yes you and me both Definitely. Let's shorten that, that amount of (laughs) losing your life during that period. So how did you, how did you find Dr. Sarno? Or I'm assuming that was your first introduction. It was not for me. I actually found Sarno quite a bit down the road of mind-body healing, (laughs) just really ironic. But when you first heard of Sarno, assuming it was him, um, was it, did you immediately accept it? Or how did you go about kind of? um,
1: Yeah, no, I didn't. Um, So I I I heard about it from my from my auntie I think and I'd previously come across um I think I'd read um, some like book reviews on um Amazon I think or something like that but I I was googling regularly googling so to so when I got my diagnosis the surgeon said now you've got a couple of options you can have sur- you can have surgery um Okay. or you can manage it as long as you're possible. He said, "Manage it." And My advice would be manage it as long as possible because technology is changing all the time. We are growing discs on the back of rats and all sorts of things that that we could maybe put you a new disc in. And and, and so every now and again, I would go I would Google to see if uh, I could have a, a disc with uh, grown on the back of a rat or whatever technology advancements were coming out in in back surgery. Uh, and that's where I came across it first. And then I think I read I read some comments and reviews on, on Amazon and ignored it. And my auntie mentioned it to me. Um, so I, I, I eventually bought the book.
0: And uh, are you I, talking about Healing Back Pain,
1: the book? I think it was Healing Back Pain. Yeah, he's done a few, hasn't he? But yeah, um, yeah, I've read a couple of them. I think it was Healing Back Pain. And even then, you'll read it. And this is, um, I think I've seen this a few times in people I've spoke to who have recovered. It's like, after you've cemented that belief for 15 years that there's something physically wrong with you, you're, you're really invested in that diagnosis. And I think reading the book, it's like, yeah, I understand this. I understand how stress and emotions might cause physical symptoms. That, I can see that correlation. But my pain is real. You know, my mind's so real and it hurts so much. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yes, there was a little bit of, doubt and now looking back i can see it is that identification you know you identified with the diagnosis and and you've spent 15 years mm-hmm. talking about it and showing people how courageous you are just plowing on through it and being okay. positive and yeah, yeah so so yes. no i didn't accept it straight away it kept, i think the seed was sown and then it took a couple of years before it, it managed to take hold
0: <laughs> oh so would you say are you saying you spent another couple years before you started to do the work of of healing i'm I'm
1: I'm really bad at time times guy uh, try, trying to put it all in time scales. but yes yeah. i I think mm-hmm. there was a, definitely a period, a long period where uh, yeah that that seed was there, but I ignored it and then mm-hmm. patterns started to emerge and I could see. My pain flaring up when things were happening, and um, so changes at work. I uh, in the technology industry and and things move quite quickly. Yeah, change quite quickly. So you inevitably you find yourself with management
0: changes. So I'm losing your audio for like okay. the last five seconds. Okay, can you say the last sentence again?
1: Yes. Um, okay. I would say I'm in the technology industry and um, there are, it moves quite quickly, lots of moves and changes, management changes, um, technology changes. And I noticed patterns that when things were moving that would affect me, the pain would flare up. So I think the seed was sown and then it was took a while for me to see this emerging and go ah wait wait a minute maybe there's something in this
0: (laughs) and and, Uh, i'm just curious you you don't have to answer this but with the with the changes would you say for you um the what was the underlying emotion with that was it was it rage like dr sarno says or was it fear or like
1: no it's difficult i think sometimes emotions are you know multifaceted and uh, Mm -hmm. Sure. So it's difficult to put a label on it. I guess there was a thing, I remember recalling that it was a sense of frustration that I had to prove to prove myself again to a, a new set of leadership people. Um, and it was just like a frustration, I guess, and a lack of control, um, I think, were, were the, the things that were coming up. I'm not necessarily anger, there's plenty of that that came up later, but
0: yeah it, it's I, funny I wouldn't
1: say rage though no
0: okay well I will just confess that this last weekend I bought some new technology you can't see any of it but um, and it did not go well and <laughs> and, and yeah it it was it was a hot mess for sure for about five days. and i I felt a lot of that stuff. I felt shame that I couldn't figure it out. i I absolutely felt rage <laughs> that that I was unable to i had to I had to get help um for sure. And and just a lot of those emotions of so what you're talking about, that layered thing, there was there was probably like five or six emotions that were competing with one another and supporting each other and in sending me into fight or flight <laughs> over technology. Um, not my favorite thing. So okay, so that was one pattern of of change. It sounds like, yes. Um, so did that kind of contribute then to your evidence that your pain was? Do you use the word mind body or neuroplastic? Yeah, I,
1: I, I think, yeah, mind body syndrome is the one that resonates for me the most. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah that's why. What, that's what but yes, it was. oh, Sorry,
0: your audio went, but it's back, so we're good.
1: Um. So, yeah, that's the, the mind-body syndrome is the one that resonates with me the most. Um, which yeah. So that, that is what I, I used. And, yes, yeah, those patterns sort of confirmed that for me.
0: Yeah,
1: um, I started to think, actually, yes, there's something in this, um, something that needs exploring further. So um, that was the start of the shift.
0: Okay. So what did that, so for you, everybody's journey is, is different, but what did that exploring include uh, up front?
1: Yeah. So the, I think the, it, there's two things for me. There's the education. Yeah. So actually rereading with a mindset of actually, this might be applying to me rather than rereading it as an observer of things that apply to other people. Uh-huh. <laughs> so re- re- rereading and educating myself on the the science behind mind and body, which which to me is, is really, really simple. Um, the, mm. so I always say you know the thoughts generate emotions and emotions generate physical reactions yeah. and if I, if anyone's struggling to understand it in my friends and family I always say you think you say something stupid you feel embarrassed and your cheek flush red yeah. it's like fact your body reacts to your thoughts and emotions yeah. and then so for me there was like it was understanding that there was two layers of what was happening there was a layer that was built up around what I believed around the pain itself that needed exploring. So you like you bend over once and you pick a sock up and your back flares up or you get a spasm and sciatica. So you therefore believe you can't bend forward anymore, yeah. which I think is dealt with predominantly by somatic tracking. And then for me, there's a layer of deeper stuff, which is you know why I've got these the thoughts and emotions that were been repressed for for years um, because you didn't want to feel them. Uh, and and so they were never allowed to take their the natural course and get repressed and stuck in the body so if you think of those thoughts and emotions of physical reactions thoughts and emotions that even not addressed for 15 years they're just they're stuck in there causing havoc um so and and i got them so I had the somatic tracking dealt with the higher level stuff okay. uh, and then the deep level stuff for me journaling um is was the key and then specifically it's probably why i've ended up writing the articles as an extension of i just started enjoying writing yeah <laughs> and uh, and creating a, an extension of an evidence diary i guess is the the articles that i write which are just for fun and not to promote anything other than good stories
0: and inspiration right
1: yeah 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 okay. ho- hopefully to plant that seed for somebody else
0: yeah um when you did somatic tracking uh how often would you would you do it what was that like yeah so I
1: I, I I only now see it as a form of somatic tracking okay um, actually all i was doing is reintroducing things i believed that i couldn't do um so from i i, I had a list of really silly things like i could i could swim front crawl um but now no, not breaststroke um for example, or I could um, like, could have been forward, like I said, couldn't pick up socks. So uh, so I had to always bend down with a strict squat for, you know, to, to get anything off the floor. And yeah, and yeah I had all these weird and wonderful things I could and couldn't do. So I just started working my way through and then unpicking, reintroducing them, um, which I now see as like the somatic tracking, removing the fear through journaling and breathing with breath work and exercise, and and. You know, I would like pick a sock up, and if it hurt, I would do it again, and then I would do it again, and I would do it again until it stopped. (laughs) And started reintroducing everything. Um, you know, ultimately uh, ended up being in a position where I couldn't run. The last thing on my list was running, and I couldn't run more than two minutes without big sciatic flare up. And then I I managed to work through that. Just to convince myself more than anything. And then I ended up doing a, a, a half Ironman triathlon. So I had a, a half marathon at the end of a bike and the swim. And I would manage to do all that pain free. So, and that was like just so cool. reintroducing it all from two minutes to three minutes to building this running pattern up slowly, having some setbacks, coming back to journaling and breath, breath work. And so i looking back that it was just like that, that was the somatic tracking stuff for me. That was addressing. Yeah, ad- addressing things that I believed I couldn't do uh, and removing the fear and doing them again.
0: Okay. So, like,
1: okay. Reprogramming.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. I think I, I see somatic tracking is slightly different, so I'm glad I asked that question. Good. how um, do you see
1: it?
0: Um, I see somatic tracking is kind of um, um, observing and paying attention to the sen- the sensations in your body. Yes. Um yeah. so I would do that
1: whilst I was running, for example.
0: Okay, okay okay so, so
1: i'll be running and i'll be going okay i can feel that tension there and then i'll be moving my attention to my hands and then to two areas of my body that weren't in pain and then i put it back sometimes i would shrink the pain i would i would put lines around it give it colors yes. and yeah. shapes and then move my attention somewhere else move it outside of my body back in whilst i was running yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: okay so i i so then we're on the same page with that so um <laughs> With that reintroducing running, um, I just want to talk about this because a lot of people get hung up on um, the, the the fact that we start reintroducing these things, but it still hurts. And mm-hmm. so there's this, well, this is not working then. So when you first started running, was it pain-free? And, no. and just talk about, talk about how you dealt with that, if you had fear no. of pain or
1: what did you do? Yeah. I'd gotten myself through... So I think I'd dealt with some of the deeper level stuff that I mentioned first. First. Yeah, so I'd, I'd reintroduced most things. My life was predominantly pain-free. I would spot things changing at work and I would get flare-ups a little bit. And I could, I could settle them without them taking hold fully. Um, but then... Yeah, running would just remain this thing. Um, so I, I think I couldn't have done it without all that. I might be wrong, but uh, with all that work, shifting the deeper stuff out of the way through journaling, et cetera, okay. I don't think I'd have been the mindset to to have done it. Yeah. Um, but having said that, still, yeah, no, I went out with two minutes paint, two minutes and I would get tension. I would start the like, trying to visualize it and all that sort of stuff that we just mentioned. Mm-hmm then four minutes and then I, and, and five minutes. And then I thought, I, I'm fine. I went and did 20 minutes. And then the next day I couldn't walk. So this, like, I had to start again, again. I kept going back. I knew, I knew it was just the fear and the anticipation of the pain bringing the pain. So I sort of knew it, but I still couldn't stop it. Yeah. Um, so it was cause it's just that, that ingrained, um, so I just but I just kept working through it. I would start back again and go, right, well I can do five and I can do ten and I would keep an evidence diary. Yeah. And and then, you know, what well, one day I'd had a couple of beers and it was a nice sunny day and I ended up playing football with my nephews in the garden for ages. And I didn't uh, and I didn't get any pain. So I got that. So that went in the evidence diary and mm-hmm. Uh, and so slowly, every time I would get a setback, I would look through the evidence diary of things that I could do and I reintroduced using this technique. Uh, and it just took a while, took a while. But I, the, the, the time, it, I was really, really, really quite methodical with it. But the time it, it did click fully, and when it all doubt went, it was, uh, I was starting a new job. Well, the same company, shifted job again. <laughs> Trigger for me, so pain was, and in fact quite bad. Uh, I was uh, travelled down to London and uh, had a meeting with new leadership um, in the in the morning. And I got up early and I went into Hyde Park, and I was in I, I was in quite a lot of pain. I got my running gear on and I went in, and then I was just set off hobbling. Like really, if you looked at my my, my gate, it must have been, I must have looked yes but i just kept breathing it doing like positive affirmations um and and slowly eased up eased up eased up and then like 20 minutes later i was just sprinting through thinking and that's just when it real nailed it for me and and it never really came back after that because i went out in pain and used the running to get rid of the pain it's like well (laughs) it can't be structural (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah it's not the running the running is it not would, the
1: problem it would get worse yeah it wouldn't it wouldn't get better if i was running with a structural problem if you run on a broken leg it doesn't start getting better the further you go <laughs> yeah
0: 100 so that, that,
1: that that fixed it for me um so after that uh yeah after that i was fine and wow. that's when i started the triathlon so that's, that, that, that's when i got back into running
0: yeah so from like barely able to walk excruciating pain yeah. um to a triathlon that's so cool yeah
1: yeah I think so yeah it was just a, I don't think it's necessary but for me it was I wanted to complete it something that was a I would say the a challenge just just to okay. throw a line under it in my own head yeah and uh yeah. and it worked it went in my evidence diary and then I got to write it up as a story and it was a bit more interesting because yeah. there was a Something that involved running at the end of it, and um... yeah, so it was good.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so on on one of your maybe it's on your on your blog, I think there's a a picture of a glass of water that is okay, yeah, in turmoil, um, and splashing everywhere. Can you can you just talk about that a little bit? I I liked that analogy that you used.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I, I I don't think it's mine. I might have adapted it in, in bits, but I'm sure. Okay. I'm, sure I'm sure it's somebody else's, but um, uh, with my own flavor of it. But but basically, yeah, I see a a glass of water, um, and the glass representing your ability to handle stressful situations.
0: Yeah.
1: So that's if that's the capacity, to, uh, to handle stressful situations. And this is where I think um, your daily stuff that comes in you know emails your technology problems your um, before before you started recording you were telling me that your 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 furnace had broken that <laughs> those sorts of things are, are stressful situations that we can handle yeah and for me an example it helps me understand it. it's like if I've got a glass three quarters full of repressed stress and emotion then things like a change at work or a or, or new leadership team can tip me over into pain yeah, and that's why I think, as well as the somatic tracking type activity, removing the fear and and uh, of movement is good. But I also believe and it appears that not everyone needs to do this, but I needed to let some of that old stuff out there that was stagnant. So uh, that's where that I think the journaling comes up for me. It brings this subconscious sub, this subconscious um, thought and emotion that has caused physical reactions and brings it into light so that then your consciousness can see it. It's no longer subconscious. You can shine a light on what's been going around in there uh, and, and, uh, and empty some of that. I think I said, it's like putting a hole in the bottom of the water soaking in the glass so it can drain out. So the next time when your furnace breaks and your technology goes wrong, you don't, you don't get triggered into, into pain. So that, yeah. that that's, that's how I tried to explain it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what he's referring to is I woke up this morning, my furnace is not working. So my house is freezing cold. I have a little heater next to me. and um, Yeah. It's kind of a mess, but, but yeah. So, so a big part of this journey is learning t- how to, how to experience change. I'm going to just call it change in life, like the furnace not working um, and, and change in technology or whatever in, in a way that's, um, I don't know, just more safe and and it's not as big of a deal. How did you um, personally work through? Let's just talk about change. H- how how is that not a trigger for you anymore? What kind of deep work did you do with um, that? Yeah,
1: so I I understood uh, well. So the the deeper work that I did was the was journaling exercises. Okay. And um, I started with just a timeline. So f- from birth to the hmm. present moment on the top, all the thing, all the major life events uh, and then at the bottom, any physical ailments that, that came along and then started to notice co- correlations. And then, so it didn't take me too far to have to look when I, when I, when I was 16, my best friend was killed. Uh, he was murdered actually. And so that was water in the glass that had stayed in there for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, another thing for me was I I was brought up in, I don't want to lose half your audience, but uh, I was brought up in a very religious uh, household. uh, And some of the, um, I don't know, it didn't didn't just resonate with me. And there was a, what came through journaling was that there was this, I didn't sit right, that there was this belief that unless I 100% believed what I was told to believe, you know, I was going to go to hell. And and just, I felt, it just didn't resonate with me and I felt quite unaccepted um, by family for having beliefs that weren't necessarily aligned to theirs. Um, So there was, I think there was two things there that when, when I delved deeper, it you know, just had, had created patterns so, so for example like um, when my friend died I got this real like I am not going to waste any of my life I'm going to live it to the best of my ability um, I'm going to fill it with things um, and which is sounds positive but actually I found myself in a position where I was always in the future never enjoying the moment always looking for the next thing the next achievement the next uh, and then there was a the 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 reason why I was struggling with change was a fear of this judgment that I got from I believe I got from the way I had interpreted having religious parents you know um, whether that was their intention or not it's the way it landed with me as a child okay. and not not believing what they believed and this constant judgment and um, that I felt uh, and that was a so whenever things were changing I felt I have like, got oh, to I could prove myself that I'm good enough to these people. And um, so that that kept arising as well. And all that 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 yeah. came from um journaling exercises. So I, I would do a number number of different ones. So i picked the life events and I would just free write um as fast as possible, um, two or three pages and just see what came out. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's quite I, I just find it such a useful tool to, yeah. to explore that, some of that deeper stuff because often I would forget. It, it, some things would be obvious or I'd set up in a certain direction and it'd be a complete random paragraph that comes out from, from somewhere that, yeah. um, that, <laughs> that, that when you, once it's there on the paper, you can then see it and, and, uh, and analyze it. And it's no longer subconscious. So it's like a releasing thing and then you I would rip it up and throw it away. Um, yeah. And that's, that's, that's how I saw to sort of very long winded answer to your, um, what deep work would i do that was it Uh, and how that affected change specifically is i just noticed the patterns i could see why i was now programmed in that way i felt like i was constantly needing to look for approval from people
0: yeah
1: Uh, and that and and once i could see that then uh, i could drop it um so yeah that's that that was the work that i did no and currently in a position actually where a a massive change um, to voluntary redundancy um, looking for new work in the tech industry and that would have been a massive thing and I've absolutely no pain at all. Yes.
0: <laughs> <That's> and <fantastic. laughs> uh,
1: actually quite enjoying the process as well so um yeah. So it is, it is a it is a big shift. A complete shift in fact, yeah.
0: Okay so so in your journaling you essentially discovered all these really deep um beliefs and pressures that were like you were saying, either put on you both and also interpreted that way. So, so it sounds like you let, you were able to let go a lot of those pressures. Um, do you, do you feel like through that then that you changed in some of your personality traits, like the need to please people pleasing and, um, and, and and just to connect with you in, 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 um, certain ways. I also was raised in, a Christian home, and had to reevaluate some of who I had believed God to be, and also understand that humans are humans. <laughs> um, so I resonate with that that pressure and that uh, that um, uh, need for approval can can go hand in hand with that um, with religiosity. I'll just say um, so. But, but I feel like in the mind-body community, there is a mm, difference in opinion on whether we just have to acknowledge something exists, like acknowledge I'm I'm a people pleaser or I'm self-critical or whatever. Um, and then there's the other view that once you discover it, you also have to change um, to, to work to reduce or a, adjust that thing. How do you how do you feel about that? Do you feel like you you are you the same person as before you were in pain as now? Um, how much have you changed through this work?
1: Yeah, so, um, so no, I'm not the same person at all. Uh, well, I say at all clearly there, there are elements that are the same, but I have changed yeah. quite a lot. I think your point about once you've spotted something, do you need to change it? Mm-hmm. Um, my view is that i think w- once you spot a pattern um and you like you shine a light on it you, th- it will just naturally change i think mm. i think okay. um because I, I i noticed the same patterns coming back i i'm doing this with my fingers but <laughs> i it felt at a time that i was going around in circles i kept finding the same pattern um, but actually when when, when i when I look at it now with hindsight, I can see that the, um, the 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 sort of the loops would get smaller. So actually, so some people say people pleasing, for example, the pattern came up and again and again and again. But actually, the time for me to recognise it, trying to in it, and let it go got quicker and quicker and quicker. Okay. Uh, so that's why I think I think I think the the only thing to do really, and you can is to is to is to uh, just observe it and then it'll naturally dissipate
0: yeah <laughs> that observer <laughs> mentality is 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 really interesting of being able to look at myself and be like oh i'm feeling the need to people please today or man i am feeling the need to be efficient that's one of mine um, <laughs> uh, developed personality trait was the of this sense of urgency like so being able to say oh i've just i'm just in that pattern i don't have to do that i actually have time you know,
1: I'm okay. I think, uh, uh, and I watched Matty as well. I think uh, last week I can't remember if he said it there to me. Actually, on your interview or when I interviewed him, and I spotted something similar with me. He said, once, once you understand this stuff, and you understand that your thoughts and your emotions are causing physical reactions, it's great. I mean, you, you you're making leaps and bounds. And then you can get caught in over analysis yeah. sometimes, yeah. and yeah, and that that creates its own. Stress and its own pressure is you start analyzing your character mm-hmm. um, and and think asking why things are causing pain, mm. which is why I come back to that. Um, I think ultimately, just observing it and not getting drawn into that overanalysis is is the key, and then the, those patterns will s- slowly slip away. I think.
0: Okay. You um you talked about in one of your articles you talked about visualizing and Mm,
1: um,
0: visualizing was really powerful for me too can you just talk about what role it had and how you used it
1: yes um so I used it predominantly when I was reintroducing the sporting uh activities um and specifically with regard to the the running scenario that I explained Uh uh-huh so I would use it Often before going to sleep, actually, so before going to sleep, I would just spend five mm. ten minutes really visualizing running. Um, so uh, uh, finishing races, how it would feel, um, how we feel to be running, um, you know, just just trying to make it as vivid as possible, and then I don't, I can't remember, I will have read it somewhere, but and then going to sleep with that image or or just uh, it was really it felt really important to do it just before you slightly programming the subconscious with an image of something that you were going to do one day uh, before you slept so that's how I used it Uh, it's difficult to say how how much of an impact that had but um, the the visualizations did happen (laughs) yeah (laughs) so maybe yeah those events that I visualized did occur so so quite a big impact maybe
0: yeah I, I like that help. idea of doing it before bed that makes sense to me mhm I so I I used visualization with the personality traits so as I started to recognize what they were I started visualing visualizing myself letting go of some of those personality traits um in this in the same way that you're talking about going for a run with no pain. I was like imagining being in I actually spent um I actually visualized quite a bit in my healing journey. I visualized flare-ups. I visualized, um, and imagined, um, uh, uh, I, I guess like messing up in life, being human, uh, having pain come back and being okay with it. Just kind of not, not overreacting to, to those things. Um, which I think actually helped because, because, I'm assuming for you, as for me, it was not a linear journey. I wanted it to be, but it was not. And so the 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 more we can reduce fear around those flare-ups, um, the better. Was your how how was what was your journey like as far as like um were you encouraged the whole time? Were there times you were like, this is taking way longer than I thought it was going to? Was it was it long? Was it short? What was that like for you?
1: That's uh so first of all I really like that idea that you' just mentioned about using visualization in a different way I'd not I'd not considered that I had done a bit of like backwards actually I'd imagine so so say I've been in a, a situation where uh, my uh, I don't know some sort of egoic reaction had been triggered I've sort of visualized going back and reacting differently
0: uh, um, did you say an ego reaction
1: yeah some sort okay. of like ego yeah, some sort of emotion. Back to look at something internally rather than externally but so so if if yeah some, something someone had made me angry and I responded in a certain way for example without you, you know instinctively mm-hmm. um, and then I'd gone back and visualized reacting in a different way so I've used it like that but I've not used it yeah. like like you said about predicting future situations like what what if the pain does come back and there is a flare up and I like I like that idea I'll pinch that <laughs> <laughs> great that's yours <laughs> um so yeah it took a, a couple of years I think uh to, um like I say I'm not great on the whole timeline but I think it's a couple of, it was probably around a couple of years uh, and like you yeah it was it was um it wasn't linear it, yeah it was a, a, a model um but like I say I, I, that's when I think within that two-year period I saw the patterns coming around yeah. and and then and then they got quicker so it might have took. So say I was getting a flare up of pain. It might have taken a couple of weeks to get rid of it, and then it was a week, and then it was a few days, and then right. it was minutes, and then and then I could stop stop it before it was coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that, that that sort of a thing. Um, so yeah, it was a couple of years. It wasn't wasn't a straight line, and I think we're also well. I certainly did uh, got obsessed with being pain free as well, and I think which which brings with it its own stresses and its yeah. own emotional reactions. I think. Just being human. Our bodies, like I said at the, at the beginning, you know, the the has
0: gone. Move towards the mic again.
1: But as my audio gone.
0: Yeah. So go back one sentence again.
1: I can't remember what I was saying. Um yeah, I can't remember what I was saying.
0: I know. <laughs> <laughs> I got distracted by the fact that the audio went out, no <laughs> I forgot to um Put a pin in what we were talking about. It's been that important. Um, <laughs> I think, oh, oh, you, oh, it was important actually. You were talking about how you were talking about the human condition of we have oh, pain, yeah. Yeah. and this obsession yeah. with never having any pain is is so much pressure. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes. yeah, 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 yeah. And and I I put that quite a lot on myself. This must be pain free. But it is just that, like I say, yeah, it's just the, just the human condition. Like I said at the beginning, with the you think you said something stupid, you feel the emotion of embarrassment, and you choose to react. It's just what our what we do. <laughs> so, uh, if the pain does come back, then it's just because there is some thoughts and emotions, and my body is reacting, uh, and that's that's okay. That's why <laughs> you once you've understood the tools and techniques to get rid of it, that, that, that's fine. So, I think. Although I haven't had pain for a long time, you know it, it doesn't mean to say it won't come back. Yeah, but I, I've got the got the tools necessary to to get rid of it again. Right, um, and it's having the confidence that you can.
0: Yeah, I I interviewed somebody a couple of days ago, and it hasn't it hasn't aired yet. Um, and I asked her about how she I don't know what I asked her like how she talks about pain or something and chronic pain. And she said, "Um, it's the journey of being human." um it, it's not that we're never going to experience symptoms again and the the sooner we understand that the sooner it is not scary when a symptom shows up and we don't have to make it chronic right like it's just like oh yeah i i have i have a stressor i'm human um physiology is changing a little bit while i work through this and it's triggering a repressed something and and there's just no there's just not this a big deal made out of it when you understand like you're talking about thoughts and emotions lead to physiological changes and oh
1: for me it's that I'm, I'm not recognizing an emotion so I jump back to journaling so, so if, mm-hmm. if, if I, I think thoughts and emotions and um, uh, physical reactions so, but if I'm not recognizing an emotion because I'm either blocking it out um mm-hmm. plowing through it then the physical reaction comes if, if there is any physical reaction it's a sign for me that i'm not there is something that is going on that i'm not addressing that's where the journaling will come out and i'll try and try and experience the emotion through journaling um yeah. That, that, that's yeah just that i think that's for me i think it's a growing awareness so i don't think it stops when the pain pain ends there is like a, a growing awareness that uh, for, that you're seeing thoughts and emotions come up in real time and therefore they don't take hold because you can experience them and then they move on.
0: Yeah. And I, I like you found journaling to be absolutely irreplaceable with that. When you are blocking, when you're unaware, it just, I mean, trying to think yourself into figuring out what you're thinking just doesn't it's not it's for me it's not helpful I just get stuck whereas if I can write it out it's just this really
1: you have a resistance to it
0: what say that again
1: did you have a resistance to journaling
0: well I don't know that I had a resistance to journaling I know that in years prior to healing journaling was where I went to become more depressed so I would journal in a way that just wired my emotion um and then i learned when i when i learned about the mind body connection i was like oh this is where i get to release things not you know not mm, i don't know learn them yeah i I can
1: see that yeah no i i had a resistance to it but um i think it was just because i knew i had to lift the lid on painful events and painful and and that, that takes time, I think.
0: And it I don't I don't know about you, but it's also, I mean, it it's hurtful sometimes to go back to those memories because uh, or those emotions because sometimes I had to acknowledge there were things. there were people that didn't. They weren't great to me. And I didn't want to acknowledge that. It hurt to do that and so i think there was some resistance to that but then when i started doing the work i realized that it didn't mean that i had to hate people it didn't mean that i had to let go of certain people certain people i did absolutely you know boundaries are a big part of this um and journaling really brings that out so i i can see why for some people it can be um it can be difficult but it's also just this huge tool that's accessible i mean all you need is a pen and a piece of paper it's pretty much free and you don't have to call the counselor, you know, like, um, um, and it's available all the time. So yeah, yeah, that's
1: I like it. yeah. the timing thing you can use, you can use it when it's needed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So as we close up, um, any, um, I don't know, nuggets of wisdom to give somebody let's say that's in the middle of the journey and it's not going as fast as they want it to go which is all of our
1: journeys (laughs) (laughs) um i don't know i think i think having some patience with it yeah i think i think Mm -hmm. putting pressure on yourself for it to go quicker is just adding more stress yeah i think that yeah if anything relax into it and um, yeah, maybe drop some of that expectation that it's going to be quick and um, mm-hmm. yeah, r- recognize it as an ongoing lifelong thing really.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And there's no, ru- there's no rush.
0: Right. <laughs> right. No rush. Lean into it. Have that patience. Patience is, is um, incredibly kind. And in, and when people are patient with us, it just feels so loving Um, And when we are patient with ourselves, like you're saying, that's a huge gift. So, okay, Um, are you going to keep writing?
1: Yeah, I intend to. So I've started some. So um, writing up Mattie's was like the first attempt at writing somebody else's story. Uh So I'm trying to find people really that aren't inclined to write and share, but I've got really good stories and um yeah. so just part I, again like it's like an extension of the journaling therapy for me just writing up other people's I find really yeah. rewarding <laughs> yeah, so. so yeah so if I if I come across people with interesting uh interesting stories I think because it doesn't really matter what the symptoms are but for some reason when you're in you, when you're in the mix of it you want people with the symptoms that you had yeah so find a range of uh, different symptoms and stories that that will allow people to attach onto it, yeah. Um, because yeah, once once you've come out the other side, you realise it doesn't matter what the symptoms mm-hmm. are, but when you're in it, it, it needs to be just like you.
0: Yeah, yeah, hundred
1: percent. The more stories Spe- that are out there, the better.
0: Speaking of which, so for you, it was uh, degenerative degenerative disc disease, so DDD, sciatica, was that what?
1: Yes, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, sciatica, yeah.
0: And bulging, di- and, well, and bulging discs.
1: Bulging discs causing the sciatica. Apparently.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So those of you out there that want to hear your <laughs> symptom, your diagnosis, there it is. But it's all, it's all mind-body syndrome. Yeah. So, okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your story. Thank you for being inspiring. All the things. Appreciate you. Yeah.
1: Putting it out there. It's great. Thank you.
0: Yeah. No problem. Okay. I um, am saying goodbye to all the listeners. I'll see you guys next week. And um, yeah, have a good one.